welcome to Zug, one of the smallest Swiss cantons about 30 kilometers south of Zurich. It's a peaceful setting framed by the Alps. It sits in a lush green valley of meadows and encircles a glistening lake that shares the canton's name. That name, Sug, which is also the name of the largest city in the canton, apparently comes from a medieval German word meaning to pull up. It's a reference to the fishing nets that were allowed to be cast and pulled in Lake Zug. These days, though, you might meet fewer local fishermen in the city than you would expats and programmers working for tech startups. Here in Zug, you'll find yourself surrounded by folks working in crypto. And the region has become a focal point in Europe for the blockchain technology used to create it. All that has given Zug a new nickname, Crypto Valley. You're listening to Euronews Tech Talks, a podcast that dives into the big questions shaping Europe's digital landscape. I'm your host, James Thomas. In the next three episodes, my team and I will explore the world of blockchain from a European perspective. This is Chapter 4, Crypto Valley. How is blockchain already impacting life in Europe? Will crypto ever become mainstream? We'll find out. If you go back 50 years, Suk would have been a very traditional farming area in central Switzerland, where it might have been a bit difficult for tourists to have a look around. This is Matthew Allen. He's a finance correspondent for Swiss Info Business. Matthew's been covering crypto since 2016, and he knew Suk before the blockchain craze hit the valley. He told us that it would have been hard for someone moving to Switzerland to start a business there because it was very rural and not as developed as other regions in Switzerland. But the way the region wanted to see itself changed. They had this brainwave some decades ago to grow the economy into a wealthy canton with this kind of innovation of accepting outsiders of becoming cosmopolitan, of bringing in huge companies, multinational companies and all their workforce. But why Zug? What was it that lured the crypto industry here? I suppose you could call it, you know, one of the more cosmopolitan and innovative cantons. Zug has a tax regime and a corporate regime that's designed to take in new and interesting companies and sectors. One of the early companies that came to Switzerland was the Ethereum Foundation, which is behind the Ethereum blockchain. And when Ethereum set up, it really attracted a few other companies. And before long, Souk became known internationally as a place where these upstart revolutionary Bitcoin companies would be welcome, where they'd get pretty good conditions and a fair chance just to get themselves off the ground. And it seems that the charm of a small alpine town won them over. They can just walk across the street or go to a cafe or something and they know there's going to be a load of other crypto people there. So everything's sort of within walking distance of each other. And the city of just 30,000 inhabitants embraced crypto. 
Souk was the first of the Swiss municipalities to accept Bitcoin and Ether as tax payments. And, and what happens is that the council themselves, the city themselves, doesn't handle these Bitcoin. They're, they've got an intermediary who does the conversion for them. So, yeah, you can pay a lot of your taxes if you got very wealthy on Bitcoin using the cryptocurrency that made you rich. Don't get me wrong, Zug is still a conservative place, but in Switzerland... When it comes to business, they don't mind taking a chance. And you can see that in the growth of the industry. Crypto and blockchain companies have spread out very quickly in this corner of Europe. According to recent research from CVVC, a venture capital company based in Zug, there are more than 1,100 blockchain-related entities thriving in between Switzerland, Liechtenstein and northern Italy. These companies employ nearly 6,000 people and hold a combined value of $185 billion as of December 2022. That's more than the GDP of countries like Kuwait or Morocco. Zurich has got a very lively and thriving blockchain and crypto scene. In western Switzerland, near the French side, you've got places like Neuchâtel, areas around Lausanne and Geneva, which you've got a lot of different companies set up. Lugano always had a smattering of crypto companies, but then a year ago, the city authorities decided they wanted to go big on crypto. They wanted to make Lugano the crypto capital of Europe, and they teamed up with Tether, which is the world's largest stable coin. But Zug continues to be the heart of Crypto Valley. It's the base of more than half of these companies. Bitcoin, Ether, Tether, Dogecoin, Cardano. None of these terms existed before 2008. But over a decade later, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology are radically disrupting the world of finance. Bitcoin is the most recognizable among them. It was created in 2009 by Satoshi Nakamoto. The name is a pseudonym for the mysterious person or persons who developed it. Blockchain, the technology behind cryptocurrency, has its roots as far back as 1991, when two scientists, Stuart Haber and Scott Tanita, proposed a system to protect timestamps on documents from being interfered with. Unlike traditional currencies issued by central banks, Bitcoin is not controlled by any government or financial institution. It allows for peer-to-peer -peer transactions without the need for intermediaries. One of the big selling points of crypto is you don't need a bank. So, how is it possible that a crypto valley has sprouted up in the land of banks? Switzerland is very well known for its banks and for its offshore banking. But it's very traditional, very conservative at the same time. It's the banks are the places with the plush carpets and the, and the oil paintings and the very sophisticated client relationship managers providing a sort of almost like butler service to the, to the wealthy. So, of course, in the beginning, the Swiss financial system didn't like Bitcoin because it threatened to erode this client-banker relationship. But that's not how things have worked out. Swiss private banks now actually are taking on the Bitcoin millionaires and billionaires as personal clients. However, changing the way bank clients see things might actually take more time than it does for bankers. Actually, people like banks. They like lawyers. They like accountants. They like this safety net of people who, who do the heavy lifting for them. 
Puesto episodio que estoy registrando eso es su, la, ¿cómo se dice? La, la cripto. Le criptomonete, le monete Bitcoin. Bitcoin, eso fue la moneta virtual, ¿no? Our producer, Marta Rodriguez Martinez, recently called her father-in-law, Gianfranco Culedu, who worked in a bank for 31 years in a small town near Turin, Italy. He spent nine of those years as an accountant. It was a very nice thing to go from offices to contact with people and customers. Marta reached out to him to discuss this trust-based relationship. How many people came to you because there was a personal relationship? They came on purpose, because maybe they also selected the people they wanted to go to. Trust was created by the accountant. The way you introduce yourself, the way you talked, and the way you interacted with them. Cocolare, in Italian, means to take really good care. Imagine convincing the individuals who patiently lined up to entrust their money to a bank where they trusted a familiar face like Gianfranco to instead embrace Bitcoin and put their faith in its blockchain technology. How does it feel to have money that is no longer connected to the banking system? I have my doubts. The truth is, it can be hard to place trust in something you don't fully understand, and it's safe to say that blockchain is not exactly a straightforward concept. Put simply, a blockchain is a database in the form of a distributed ledger that uses cryptography to secure any kind of information. This ledger takes the form of a series of records, or blocks, that are each added onto the previous block in the chain. Hence the name blockchain. But before a block gets added to the chain, it has to go through a process called mining. Here, computers within the Bitcoin network join a race to solve a complex computational problem, which is designed to become more complex the more computers there are trying to solve it. Did you get it? More or less. Our producer, Marta Rodriguez Martinez, and I did some work to understand it better. I don't think I understand it yet. Shall we ask ChatGPT? Hi, ChatGPT. Can you explain blockchain to us as if we were five-year-olds? I'm going to share with you a summarized version of the answer read by 13-year-old Romilly Wilkes. Once upon a time, there was a special treasure chest where magic coins were protected by blockchain. The magic coins are made up of many connected pieces called blocks. And each block has special information written on it, like a secret code that's made out of equations. Once something is written on a block, it can never be changed or erased. If you want to give a magic coin to someone else, then computers from around the world talk to one another, solve the equations of the blocks, and decode the secret codes. Doing this, the computers confirm that the coin is real and that the gift is true. Then, a new block with new secret code would be added to the coin to show that it was given to someone else's magic treasure chest. The computers keep a record of these moves, but it's really hard to figure out the original information from just the code. It's really, really secret. And there are different kinds of magic treasure chests. Some are like a public library, 
where anyone can see what's written. Others are like a private club, where only certain people are allowed in. Did you get it? I think so. Yes, we tested this explanation with a five-year-old, and I think it's safe to say we're all fine. Now that we have a better understanding, we can see one of the main advantages of this technology. It offers a high level of privacy. There are lots of levels of secret codes. Aside from peer-to-peer -peer transactions, the way you get or create cryptocurrency is through a process called mining. Mining serves multiple purposes in the crypto ecosystem. It helps maintain the security and integrity of the network by preventing fraudulent transactions and double spending. When a miner successfully solves a mathematical problem, they create a new block of transactions and add it to the blockchain. As a reward for their work and to incentivize mining, miners are typically awarded a certain amount of cryptocurrency. And it's something just about anyone can do with the right equipment. All you would need is a machine called an ASIC, which you would import. This is Mark Morton, a European crypto miner based in Cork. Together with two other colleagues, he's created Skilling Digital Mining, the first Bitcoin mine in Ireland. That ASIC machine he mentioned is an application-specific integrated circuit miner. So you need the machine, you need electricity, and then you need an, an internet connection. And once you have those three things, you, that's all you need to essentially start mining. However, one of the downsides is that it requires a huge amount of computational power to decipher these codes. Mining for crypto uses a lot of electricity. And that also means crypto mining is a significant polluter because it requires so much energy to power these supercomputers. Due to the cost, mining never took off in Europe's crypto valley. In Switzerland, electricity bills are very expensive. So some of the newest machines on the market at the moment will be earning you about nine cents per, per kilowatt. And so you need your cost of electricity to be below that. Most European Bitcoin miners are based in Nordic countries like Norway or Sweden because they offer some of the lowest power prices in the world due to abundant hydroelectric power. But with electricity prices in Europe among some of the highest in the world, why did Mark choose to mine from Cork? We had been spending quite a lot of time looking at the US market for mining where electricity was a lot, lot cheaper. People were running off of flare gas, oil and gas fields and so on. And so we basically had to ask ourselves, you know, how do we apply the models that exist in the US to the European market? They realised that there were inefficiencies in the development of the European renewable industry, particularly in how they store and transmit electricity. What you get is quite a lot of electricity generation, but also a lot of waste on the other end of that as well, whereby electricity can't get to where it needs to go. Or in other instances, electricity generation isn't even being built because the grid connections or the grid infrastructure isn't there to onboard it. So essentially, these providers were creating more electricity than they needed to supply. Now Mark's mining operations could step in and provide a solution for that wasted energy. He set up renewable services and started buying their extra power for his mining computers. Now the energy would not be wasted and he'd be able to get power at a much lower rate than he would from traditional energy companies. 
So we're currently paired with a biogas plant in, in County Armagh. We've sold some smaller units to renewable operators as well that are trialling this on a small scale basis. But we'll be looking to expand into the UK and Central Europe as well over the course of the next six to 12 months. You can co-locate mining in any areas that are experiencing excess on a regular basis and use it as very flexible demand that will kick in or switch off whenever it's needed. Though he sees these spaces to expand, Mark thinks there is a long way to go because mining and crypto are still widely misunderstood in Europe. There's been a lot of negative press around the industry and, and ultimately the, the biggest problem that I see is that there's no differentiation made between Bitcoin, which is ultimately a, a resilient global network of, of individuals that are interacting in a peer-to-peer way, and a lot of the other things that have come since, which are you know all of these different crypto coins. Many Europeans may still not understand blockchain and some will never place trust anywhere other than in a bank. Also, because of its massive fluctuations in value, there's a lingering stigma that crypto is a scam. But the European Union has taken a step forward to legitimise the currency. In March 2023, the EU passed the first regulation on markets and crypto assets called MECA, Markets in Crypto Assets Regulation. It creates transparency. The service providers are basically regulated in a similar manner as financial service providers, so they will need a license going forward by the local regulators and they will also need to comply with other rules comparable to the financial services industry. Nina Luisa Siedler is a lawyer based in Germany. She specialises in blockchain and is part of the European Blockchain Observatory and Forum Expert Group. Nina believes that in the long run, regulation will be worth it for the whole crypto ecosystem. Well, the expectation is by being regulated and obtaining a license that you don't see that many scams anymore, right? And it will create more trust in crypto. This type of asset regulation is part of why Europe's crypto valley has grown around Zug and throughout Switzerland, outside of EU jurisdiction. Switzerland is, I think, very transparent in how things work and are permitted. You can actually have a talk to the supervisory authorities and also to the tax authorities. Some months ago, Swiss journalist Matthew Allen wrote... It may not have sunk in yet over your morning bowl of cereal, but the whole future of money is up for debate. Who prints it, who controls it, who technically owns it, and how it is transacted around the world. And it's true. Crypto is already having an impact on our lives. But it's not a technology that sparks conversations or feeds our imagination in the same way that artificial intelligence does these days. I mean, people have been saying to me for years and years and years, crypto is like the internet in 1994 implying, therefore, that in a few years, everyone, it, it will become mainstream, but it never does seem to progress. It doesn't have this big eureka moment where it becomes pervasive in society. It's had too many sort of hiccups and stumbles to really take off and realise its full potential. Even in the very heart of Europe's crypto valley, they're not very convinced it will ever become mainstream anytime soon. 
that that's not my generation, maybe. You know, it might be my children's generation. It might not be led in Europe. It might be led by Asia, where I'm told people are much more accepting of new technologies and actually love experimenting with new technologies. So, yeah, perhaps the impetus will come from the next generation over in uh, East Asia. Yeah, I just don't know. But blockchain technology goes beyond Bitcoin and crypto. In our next episode, we'll feature a conversation between two experts who will tell us how it works with Web3, smart contracts and the three letters everyone's tired of hearing about, NFTs. If you have any questions about blockchain or crypto, please send them our way. We'll find the answers. Euronews Tech Talk goes beyond discussions to explore the impact of new technologies on our lives. I'm your host, James Thomas. This series is written and produced by Marta Rodriguez-Martinez. Euronews Next Tech reporter Camille Bello and podcast producer Naira Devlashian also contributed to this episode. Our script editor is Dennis Funk. The theme music is by Leo Lebrun. Sound editing is by Jean-Christophe Marcot and sound mixing is by Mathieu Duchesne. Our editor-in-chief is Ali Isan Aden. If you aren't already, you can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hold up. 